Hey, y'all. On this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by our friend Derek Vance to talk about an art that is as old as time and a subject that we get a lot of questions from y'all about. Trapping has played a giant role in our world's development. From necessity to the fur trade and now being a huge tool in wildlife management, trapping is a skill that's importance cannot be overstated. So if you're interested in trapping but have no idea where to start or seasoned at the craft as they come, dive into this episode with an open mind and get ready to learn. I know I sure did. And lastly, I really hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, do us a favor, head to our page on iTunes, give us a rating, and write us a review. Enjoy the show. So, um, one, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day uh, to come up and talk about something I honestly, I know nothing, virtually nothing about. Um, so, before we really jump into it, Mr. Mr. Derek Vance is with us. Give, give us kind of just a, just a quick uh, overview, background, or where you came from. Yeah, um, again, uh, name's Derek Vance, uh, born and raised uh, Chickasaw County, mm-hmm. uh, Mississippi, which is north, north Mississippi, um, uh, graduated high school there, 2000, Mississippi State, uh, went on to work in the oil and gas industry, um, ended up in commercial banking, yeah. and uh, now my wife and uh, little girl, we live here in Madison. Yeah, but you, you're, you're known around, or your thing around here, and why, why we brought you on, on here today is because you have a, uh, what's the word, a, a, a high affection for trapping. Yes, uh, yes, actually I do, um, and um, it's, I really have a passion about it because of, um, you know, wildlife management, conservation. Right. Um, I've really seen a difference, um, you know, especially on the farms that I've trapped. Um, right um when when actually uh you come in uh implement a, a predator removal program uh, paired with uh effective and uh habitat management mm-hmm. and then uh and then you have a, a recipe for success right it's interesting to me when you talk about trapping is like i feel like in past recent years trapping has become like i mean it's never it's never been like gone but all of a sudden it, like it's become popular again you know it's, it's it's become more popular people are talking about it more yeah and what's it is like I, th- I think what is not necessarily either um forgotten by a lot of people was how long trapping has actually been around yeah um i mean you know in some of the research i've done you know obviously trapping uh has been around for ages right. uh, even back to the neolithic age i mean yeah. snares uh, deadfalls, pitfalls, all those were yeah. uh, utilized by, you know, uh, early Americans um, primarily because, you know, they wished to have, um, you know, warmth through the f- utilization of the fur. Right. Um, and then it's it's really amazing kind of how it's, uh, even though it's become a modern, you know, modern in a sense of a sport, how many aspects of of trapping have remained the same right. uh, over hundreds of years yeah. so. most of the research that i did said even like trapping was occurring even before you know like recorded history as we know it yeah. it's always kind of been an ongoing thing but yeah, what's, what's interesting to me is how like the different i guess the different motives behind trapping yeah you yeah. know like you said from necessity to up and around i think it was like i maybe i what around like the 1800s it was the fur trade yeah yeah absolutely i mean uh if you look if you really look back in at history um you know even even looking you know early 1500s you know the french actually came to what is now you know present-day canada began right. to trade you know 
uh, pots, pans, uh, different um, different um, articles for fur, uh, which you know the the primarily uh, pelt of choice was obviously beaver. Beaver. Um, and, and, and then from, you know, the, the early 1600s, you know, the, the, the beaver pelts were really in high demand because of demand overseas. Uh, and we see that, you know, the first traps began to be manufactured then. Um, and what's interesting about the early 1600s up to the 1800s when they were first mass produced traps, Mm -hmm. um, you see, as many and, I, and i've heard as many as 115 120 different trap makers and and a lot of those were even undocumented even above and beyond that you know you had the basic concept of a trap made by a blacksmith um all over the the you know the 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 known world right. uh and different you know frontiersmen and and explorers were, were utilizing those traps yeah. so really interesting uh, it is interesting and in, in to see like now I mean, I guess they're they're like now you see such a big part of it in today's age. What wasn't back, you know, back then when people were trapping, the whole idea of it being a for the point of uh, you know conservation or wildlife, you know, mm-hmm. for the for betterment of white, you know, now people do it to improve their their deer and their turkey uh, population. Yeah. You know, that wasn't yeah. the motive at all back then. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely, and and just the. I, I guess what what I find interesting is is that as you know the the settlers came into North America, um, you know your 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 primary motivation for settlement was you know really the fur trade in some aspects uh, of the word you know the Hudson Bay Company the uh, Northwestern uh, Northwest Company you know you had the French and Indian War uh, you had what they referred to as the Beaver Wars. All of that, uh, you know, occurred and happened because, you know, the different, um, you know, the French, the British, the English were, were vying for uh, trapping rights. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, what's really unique is that even, you know, like the, the Hudson Bay Company, you know, that, that's a company that's even in existence today, right. um, uh, which, is, which is pretty, pr- pretty phenomenal that it survived uh, over centuries. Yeah. You know? um, you know, fur trade began to decline in the 1700s, um, and then, you know, after that, the first, you know, mass-produced traps began in, you know, the 1800s. Uh, uh, by a, a man by the name of uh, Sewell Newhouse, uh, okay. which that design has even survived to even this day. And that's what's so unique about it is that that, that, that you know, especially the long spring trap, uh, of which they still still sell mass produced today. I even right. own uh, quite a few dozen myself. Right. Uh, those are the literally. There's nothing that really has changed about the design of that trap. That's so interesting. It's really. That's pretty really cool, cool too. Because it's you know that if that's not standing the test of time, I don't know what is that it's been around yeah. that long. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, like how, like how you got into trapping yourself? Yeah. Uh, I actually have my grandfather to uh, to to probably uh, blame on my trapping addiction. Um, uh, we actually own a farm in North Mississippi. Okay. Um, my grandfather had a uh, a, a, a dear friend uh, that actually would come up uh, from Philadelphia, Mississippi, uh, every uh, every fall. Uh, he would trap our, our our farm and surrounding properties. Uh, his name was uh, uh, Ronald, uh, and we refer to him as Preacher Ratley. Uh, and, uh, when preacher would, uh, come up, you know, he would, he would take 10 or so coyotes off of our farm and, 
um uh he you know he really enjoyed it he had a passion about it and uh one day my grandfather mentioned to me uh, i was a sophomore in high school he mentioned to me he said uh, hey derek uh preacher will be coming up this weekend uh to do a little coyote trapping would you be interested in uh in tagging along with him and uh, of course sophomore in high school i was looking for a uh an excuse to leave school early so <laughs> Uh, I, I left early one day and uh, actually accompanied uh, him on a, a trap line uh, and really took an interest in it. Uh, we were primarily focusing on, on snares that weekend. Okay. Um, we set several, you know, several dozen on our farm. Um, and once he had kind of shown me what we were looking for as far as a, a coyote trail, I said, uh, Preacher, um, you know, I, I know there's 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 a lot of these trails behind, you know, there's an old deer farm behind our, our house. Right. And there's a there's a ton of these trails, uh, you know, crisscrossing back and forth over the roads and his eyes kind of lit up. He said, well, let's go take a look at it. So uh, we called the landowner to make sure we, you know, we had permission. I right. uh, uh, got out there and, and, and we really had a, a huge coyote population there. We set couple dozen snares down this particular ditch and i'll never forget it the next morning um when we ran the trap line uh, when we turned off the main road the first snare off of the road um uh, within a couple hundred yards of the road there uh we had a coyote bouncing in it and i I can literally tell you from that very second i was i was hooked Uh, and we had uh that that first morning which is still actually probably uh or it is a record on my trap lines uh we 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 actually got i think it was seven out that morning which was pretty phenomenal yeah uh i've had a couple of mornings where i've you know caught five uh six but never seven well especially Uh, you know and, and this is something we can get into later but just how crafty a coyote actually is to have seven on one line that's yeah pretty strong yeah 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 and 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 again this 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 farm hadn't been trapped uh you know it was an overpopulation of coyotes uh, lots of small game there which you know the population could support so uh you had a a a large population there and uh it was it was pretty phenomenal yeah there's just nothing keeping them in check until y'all came along nothing in check uh but from that day on they 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 were pretty much uh, even to this day they're they're still in check there <laughs> right right yeah because like you said i was surprised you, I imagine you didn't take your foot off the gas as far as that goes yeah on the, on no, no, ab- absolutely not um yeah. you know and i and ever since then i i, I really had a um i really respect uh you know how how preacher actually mentored me in that you know those first several years i, I strictly focused on snaring and snaring alone and 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 with doing that you're you actually have to learn the animal um uh, to a degree uh, to a certain degree that you are you actually have to put that snare right in the middle of his 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 way of travel and and i think i think you know focusing on that probably the first you know five years uh, i i was thinking about this morning but it's about five years that i focused strictly on snaring that made me be a better you know foot trapper later on down the road because it forced me to put myself in the position of that coyote and uh and that's really how you you have to focus on on the sport when you when you get into it uh and 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 how you approach the sets right yeah so snaring you know i mean i like i said my knowledge is very very slim um 
how much difference does it make like with your setups between the snaring and, and foot trapping? Yeah. Um, well, when it comes to snaring, you, you basically have to, you know, you have to physically see a trail or have a, 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 a an area in which they travel and you can actually see their path of travel to place that snare. Uh, you just can't blindly set a snare out in the middle of a field and, and come back the next morning right. and have a coyote. Just hope for the best. Right, right. Okay. correct. And that, that actually differs from foot trapping and that I can place that foot trap in and around what we would consider coyote sign, which is, you know, track, scat, um, you know, di- different, different, what, you know, different pieces of sign that we see as right. trappers. And we can actually lure that coyote in to a certain extent with, yeah. you know, either commercial or homemade, you know, lures and baits. And then, and then from that, you know, uh, they place their foot on, on, on a pan and, right. and they're, they're captured. Right. Uh, uh, but it, but it, it's, it's, you know, I, I use a mixed bag. Uh, so when I, when I approach a farm or a place to trap, uh, I will actually set both, right. uh, which which makes you know a more effective trap line. Yeah. So yeah. snaring snaring sounds to me. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Snaring sounds like it's more of a, f- a lot more of a finesse game. Uh, it is. It is. Well, I, actually, I would say both. But right. but uh, snaring is definitely you, you you have to be focused in on uh, on their on their their path of travel. Right. So interesting. How long, like, like if you had to guess, like, how long did it take you doing that before you were like, okay, I kind of maybe got the hang of this a little bit? Because yeah. that's, I mean, just just hearing you talk about it, like that, that sounds like a pretty healthy task to take on. Yeah, yeah. figuring that out. Yeah, uh, and I and I'll tell you, in, in all honesty, uh, and any any uh, any trapper that's being honest with you will tell you that any any time we go out on a trap line, we are learning. Uh, yeah. if, if, if an animal does not teach you something, uh, when you go out on a trap line, y- you might as well, you might as well hang it up. Uh, I mean, as, as you know, what I would consider as proficient as I've gotten over the years and, and either snaring or foot trapping, um, that animal is always teaching you something. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a, uh, a farm I trapped in, uh, Northern Madison County, uh, last fall and and i i was very successful the first few days uh, i think i caught six or seven coyotes over the the first few days mm-hmm. and then i had one particular field in which i had some foot traps and every one of my foot traps were being dug up um which let me know that either it was a really smart coyote uh that had been trapped before he had been pinched you know on on the toe before or uh my traps had some kind of scent on them uh, of which my other traps were connecting, so I knew that that possibly wasn't the case. So I backed up, looked at the situation. Uh, there was one four-wheeler trail coming in that the main field, which had um, uh, a four, you know, a four-track uh, uh, one, you know, two two lanes of which they could go in and out or or use either or. Right. And so uh, since I determined I had a quote-unquote digger on my hands i just hung two snares and you know both sides of the four-wheeler trail the next morning had a huge male coyote uh and from that moment on my the digging in that field stopped um and so obviously i caught the culprit right so you have to be versatile you know in what you do uh and and you have to learn from the animals uh if you if you uh bed a trap you notice the animals are, are stepping you know 
three inches in front of the trap and an inch to the right, you know, you learn, hey, I should adjust that pan accordingly to for him to be able to put his foot directly on that pan. Yeah. So you really have to be open-minded about it. Yeah. You really do. So, so how, like, so is it, I didn't, I hadn't, like me, like I had no idea it was that, that much of a fine science that, I mean, have you really yeah. gone in and adjusted it by that oh, few of inches and then yeah. you, it results in catching yeah. a coyote? Yes, absolutely. And That's crazy. Yeah. And so, so you, as, as you, as you build your trap line, as you run your traps, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times you're, you know, a mentor or someone who's trapped, you know, a number of years will tell you that you learn more from not catching an animal that you do catching an animal. And with that being said, you know, when I run my trap line in the morning, I'm, you know, I'm not just, you know, obviously complying with, you know, the the state of Mississippi, you know, trapping regulations and laws. I'm actually looking to see, did I have a coyote approach my set? Uh, If he did, why didn't he come closer? Uh, Was it my bait? Was it my lure? Uh, Did he see something that he didn't like? Uh, Or was my trap just in the wrong place? He liked everything um but why didn't he stay there longer um why, why was my trap you know to the left an inch yeah. it should have been you know maybe maybe over further a little bit yeah uh so it's really interesting that sounds interesting yeah. like, i had no clue it was that yeah fine-tuned about it that's, yeah that's um yeah absolutely so like when you go to baiting these sites like what kind of what kind of what, what kind of stuff are you using yeah, so, so um, you know, obviously to the listeners, you know, whatever state you're in, you, you, you know, you need to, you need to um, check into your, you know, your trapping laws, your, you know, whatever bait, lure, uh, most of those are regulated. Uh, I actually use uh, lure and bait and a lot of times um, a, a, a urine, uh, a predator urine there at all of my sets. Uh, and the bait that I actually place um is is just a small amount uh it's normally a commercial made bait uh by one of our you know a, a lure maker that that i trust uh and that i uh i know their stuff actually you know works right uh and how and how i do that i keep records i keep very de- detailed records on every set uh every set i put out every every bait i use every lure i use and what what you'll find is i'll find a lure bait combination that just you know really shines yeah and so uh but but with that being said on one farm it may shine but you may move you know 30 miles down the road at another farm and that bait lure combination doesn't work quite yeah. as well yeah so uh so you know it's according uh obviously there's three types of sets and uh you know a dirt hole set a flat set and a blind set uh the dirt hole really simulates a a that an animal has buried something okay uh and since coyotes and many predators are opportunistic they will come and investigate that and just with a minute amount of bait and lure in that hole that draws them and holds them enough to uh you know place their feet around enough to get to get caught to get trapped. yeah right yeah yeah kind of if you don't mind like those those different types of sets that you just just like can yeah. you kind of describe those a little bit more yeah yeah so uh so a flat uh, um a dirt hole set uh is probably the most widely used okay. um uh, it is where you will actually um find a find you know obviously you want to set on location so you want uh tracks or scat or, or some type of sign 
uh, you know, hair on the bottom of a fence, you know, a fence or something like that to know a coyote has been there. Right. Um, um, you can use, I actually use a, a commercial made, uh, a small auger, a three inch auger. Okay. Um, and I will drill a, a hole about at a 45 degree angle. And again, that depends on where you put it. If you put it in the side of a bank, if you put it, you know, in the flat, flat ground, you know, I will adjust it accordingly. Uh, and then you drill it, you know, eight, nine, 10 inches deep. Uh, sometimes I'll go deeper. Uh, and then that creates the illusion that something has buried something okay. uh, there. Right. Uh, and then uh, I will place my bait in the hole uh, at the bottom, the lure in the at the bottom. A lot of times I'll take a, um, a, a little ball of sheep's wool and I'll put down the hole to kind of cover the bait up. Uh-huh. And then I will bed my foot trap out in front of that hole in the dirt pattern that that I actually dug, you know, the, the way the dirt sprayed out. Right. I will bed my traps somewhere in that dirt pattern according to how I think he will approach. Okay. Uh, and then uh, that simulates that, you know, something has dug up, you know, and buried something. Yeah. And they'll normally come in uh, to investigate. Normally all they'll always circle um, of which then you can place another set outside of that circle and be just as effective. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, in addition to bait and lure, a lot of times I'll put some type of urine, whether it be coyote urine, fox urine, uh, is usually pretty effective. Um, yeah. So that's the flat set. I mean, uh, the uh, dirt hole set. The flat set um, is anything that doesn't technically have have a hole punched in the earth okay uh, so it can be a tuff of grass it can be um an empty turtle shell uh it can be an old bone mm-hmm. uh it can be a, a a number of different objects um you know I, I've, I've known trappers to use um you know the edge of an old plow on you know yeah. uh, uh setting out off the edge of a field right uh and uh you place uh bait lure on that object uh and it is a completely again what we call a flat set and then you have to be more careful with a flat set because you have to blend your trap in uh the earth underneath the earth uh and it has to look exactly um, as as you approach the set before you started digging a trap right, bed, right? Um, uh, and so that's that constitutes a flat set. Yeah. So you want you want to leave it like nothing was ever there. A- absolutely. You know, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, a good flat set. You, you could come with me on my trap line, and we drive by my flat set, and me know the trap was there, but you would never know it was there. Yeah. Or me, uh, if it was really yeah. good. Is uh, that is that attributed to just how how attentive coyotes are they could they just t- tune into that stuff that, that yes. easy yes so so you have to think of it like this and and i've had uh i've had a trapper describe it um uh and i think it's great uh, it would be the equivalent of uh you and i walking in our house that we walk into every day right and there's a huge pizza box open in the middle of the living room and yeah. there's pizza strewn everywhere um you know the the cushions on the couch you know are messed up your tv's on uh you know something is not right Right. it's different uh you've got to think that that coyote he is there 24 7 um he's he's that is his territory uh generally most of the time and when you present a a, a, a food or, or or a piece of bait or something that that is normally not there his his senses go on high alert 
Right. And and from from that point on, he's on extreme high alert. So you have to be very and and, and that just plays in with their whole their overall demeanor. Right. You know as well. Right. So. That's interesting. It, we we kind of what's interesting about that is we kind of that kind of translates over. We kind of apply some of the same principles to when we're hanging stands for deer. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. we we I've actually heard Troy make the same analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's like, man. Walked out, the deer picked me out, my tree stand out immediately. And that's right. Troy used the same. You walk in your house and someone moved all your furniture around. Yeah. You know, that's where the deer lives. So yeah. it, I can I can relate to that. But it's yeah. it's just an even um you haven't even gone through all the sets yet, but it's just crazy to me how much well tuned this is. I had yeah. no clue. Oh yeah. It, it's know. it's definitely a science. Yeah. It's definitely it, so I, I'm just imagining, you know, like have there been an instance like on the um on a dirt hole set where you you know, like you've seen where they do the circling thing and he missed your trap by a few inches you go and adjust it and then you catch the coyote yeah yeah or or uh in that scenario what i would i would do or or any trapper that's paying attention would do um if if you have a um and and again it goes back to the type of coyote so Mm -hmm. if, if you had a young coyote um that has you know had just been dispersed from his you know his basically his territory right and he was searching for a new territory he was hungry uh, he or she was hungry. They were looking, uh, and there's a dirt hole with you know with bait at the bottom of right. it. They may come straight in, whereas a an adult coyote would circle and circle and circle right. and may really never get comfortable with it. So, so what myself or or any you know trapper that would observe that would do would be to back off, uh, you know, ten fifteen feet away, uh, and put in a flat set with a different bait lure or maybe just you know maybe a year you know a, a spot of urine on, on on a grass clump and um a lot of times coyotes when they come in and they can't figure it out they're trying they're they're putting almost 100 percent trust in their nose right and so as they circle and they're they're trying to win that and they're trying to figure out what's going on then they come across your other set of which there's no dirt pattern yeah. it's just a scent of a different coyote well, then they go over to, you know, put their scent on top of that scent, and then they get caught yeah. on a flat set. Yeah. So a lot um, more times they're more comfortable with the flat set if, uh, they're, if they're wily to a degree, not to wily is kind of a point. Yes, I, I would say that, you know, and different trappers have different uh, take on, you know, percentages. I, I'm I'm pretty much, uh, I'm normally a 90%, 95% flat set guy, you know, 5%, 10% dirt hole, you mm-hmm. know, guy. So, so as, as you, and, and that just comes with time and trapping, uh, you just learn what sets work for you. Right. Uh, and, and out of the dirt hole, the flat or the blind set, um, you know, it's really important for new trappers. And I can speak to that a little later, uh, yeah. to master a set. Right. Uh, because if you master a set and you're catching coyotes, you're doing something right. Right. And just repeat that set. No matter what anybody tells you, repeat that set. Repeat it until a coyote tells you different. Right. So. Right. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And I, I cut you off a little bit before you really got to the blind set, describing what that was. Yeah. Yeah. So a blind set, think of it as a, a snare in the ground. Okay. Uh, so, so you're actually finding a a a path of travel that a coyote is going down mm-hmm. and you actually bed your trap in the center of that that path of travel um you're complete it's almost like a uh, an inconspicuous uh, flat set it's a flat set with no 
bait lure gearing. Okay. And so um, uh, some some people refer to it as a mafia set. You're you're just uh, you're walking along, and then out of you know out of the blue, it happens. Gotcha. Uh, um, and and I use that a lot on educated you know coyotes or, or coyotes. Uh, uh, going back to the story where I you know caught the digger coming into the field, I could have actually um, um, bedded a, a a trap in one of those tracks, those four-wheeler tracks, and probably caught the coyote just as effective as I could have uh, with with the snare. Right. So, yeah. So interesting. Uh, so a dirt hole, a blind, a uh, dirt hole, a flat, and a blind set. I've got to pause the conversation for just one second to make sure I tell you all about the new Primos.com. If you haven't been to the new website yet. I mean, seriously, what are you doing? You need to go check it out. There's so many great features on there. And I know we talk about it on here a lot, but that's because it's seriously so great. There's a whole new tab on the menu called Learn. You go to it, it'll have give you links to calling videos, tactic videos, how-to videos, and all kinds of different topics. And I don't know if you've heard about the new Primo's Custom Mill Shop where they're making these new custom box calls, handmade right here in Mississippi. Truly incredible work. And also, on this website now, you can order any Primo's product you want and get it shipped directly to your door. And there's an offer going on right now for free shipping on orders of $75 or more. Go to Primo's.com and check it out. You will not regret it. That really is so like I had I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. No idea. What what is that one right there? The one you brought with you. What is Okay, so this is uh this is just a number three uh offset, uh what we call a fully modified bridger. Okay. Uh, um a foot trap. Uh, and this trap, um, you know, is uh, primarily used for coyotes, bobcats. Um, it's, to me, it's the, uh, more of the perfect size. Uh, again, you ask 100 trappers, you're going to get 100 different answers on, right, on their right. equipment. Uh, but I, I prefer this on my, on my trap line. Uh, it's just I've learned uh, to utilize it. Uh, it is four-coiled, so that means that it's a lot, you know, faster coming out of the ground. Um, and... Um, uh, you really can get into a um, a whole nother discussion on on how to modify traps uh, yeah. because uh, a lot of people have no idea that uh, that you know paying attention is one of the is one of the, uh, the 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 biggest factors in whether or not you get a good catch or not. Right. Uh, most people think that traps should pan should free fall when it actually shouldn't. It should be coats. You know, you're looking at three plus pounds of uh, pan tension. And each of my traps are, are modified and, and are checked for that. Right. So, yeah. So will you, like, if you don't, if you have it on the wrong tension, I imagine you could lose coyotes just at yeah. some point. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really physics. Um, I, I give the example uh, to uh, newer trappers as if uh, you're standing upright and you drop something. Uh, say it's your car keys. So if you, if you drop something uh, and you realize immediately you've dropped it, you – you can reach down and catch it and not and, and hardly bend at the waist at all. Uh, if you uh, drop something and you don't realize it's, you know, it's falling until it's hitting the ground, you have to bend all the way over and then you have to have that reverse action coming up. So think about it in a trap. If you have a light pan tension and you start down and the trap fires, you can pull your paw or your hand or whatever back uh, very quickly. Oh yeah, okay. But if it but if it breaks and falls on through, you have a whole lot less of a chance to get your paw or hand or or whatever, full you know fully back out before it gets you. And uh, and with a you know a three four pound plus tension, 
uh, you're getting a full pad catch, which yeah. is what trappers are looking for. Right. How often do you have to modify the traps you get? Do you do the ones you get there usually good out the gate, or do you have yeah. to do some tinkering? Through yeah. Them? M- most most all traps out of the box are going to need some type of uh, you know uh, modification. There are some on the market that are pretty consistent. Right. Um, uh, I, I spend um, you know maybe five minutes you know uh, a trap when i first pull them out of the you know box and and modifying them and then uh obviously as you use your traps over the years um you you know you know which traps need a little extra uh tlc than some of them that don't and uh and i'm I'm able to even in the field field paying tension uh i have you know tools to adjust that in my in my bag my set bag yeah uh, to be able to uh do that in the field yeah is that so. pretty common practice among trappers oh uh, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely gotcha uh, yeah so it's not okay so it's not that difficult to do is no, it, no 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 yeah. no you just learned the the basic concept of trap modification and 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 again some traps need more than others yeah. um but uh you know you you kind of learn your trap that's why yeah. i've stuck with a trap for same trap for years and, so. yeah for sure so what what's interesting to me to kind of change the the subject a little bit is uh like you know we talked kind of about the motive behind trapping and you yeah. you kind of alluded a little bit to how much ground you actually trap mm-hmm. now yeah but it's that like which how, how much ground do you trap I, I i mean i of course uh you know i, I do have a full-time job as a commercial banker so right. during the winter time from say september to you know late january you know i'm mm-hmm. getting up at you know four o'clock every morning yeah and i'm on you know the full weather on the trap line by four thirty. you know running right. traps uh, i try to keep my trap lines you know closer to home um i would say that you know an average farm that i trap is going to be anywhere from 500 to a thousand acres gotcha. uh, and the number of traps i put out and then have to check you know every morning is is you know that's contingent upon the sign right. um, um right. you know i can i can actually go on a farm uh and, pr- and usually within you know riding that farm over i can tell you within a few you know uh, at, at least 30 minutes to an hour or maybe a couple of hours over every how long it takes me to cover the farm how many coyotes you have really? uh, uh, and 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 how much effort yeah. you know i'm gonna have to put into it and that's so. just going off a sign yeah the sign your sign and, and and you know what's really interesting as well and and and, and that that your question prompted the, this thought is you know i've i've trapped farms year after year mm-hmm. and what we will find as trappers is that at you know certain intersections certain wood lines uh certain you know bends in the road certain creek crossings we will catch coyotes there year after year yeah. uh and and it's almost inevitable inevitable when i go back to that farm that i would place that a trap within probably a few feet of where i placed one the year before right and i will connect there almost every year yeah. see so. it's that's interesting because there's actually um we had there's a there's a friend of ours named johnny hamilton mm-hmm. uh and he's a uh one of the best he's he's known for uh, out west for being a lion hunter yeah with dogs and, and we had him on the podcast last september because mm-hmm. he's also an elk guy we talked some elk and we talked about mountain lions because mm-hmm. we actually uh what prompted that is uh the spring before we were turkey hunting in new mexico and we saw a mountain lion mm-hmm. just like we were getting out of our tents and getting dressed to go turkey hunting and a yeah. mountain lion just comes walking through and um you know we were talking to johnny some about uh mountain lion behavior and they, i mean and 
what's interesting about what you just said is he was mm-hmm. taught he kind of said the same thing in reference to the lions he said yeah. there, there's some spots um that just like i said they're historical mm-hmm. they, you know and if, especially if he's running you know if he's hunted the same property or and he said some sometimes he can just recognize it right. and what was interesting is when he told us that and i hadn't told him this yet is where so we described to um the land manager out there at the farm where we saw mm-hmm. the mountain lion he's we described exactly where he saw it and he said you know he said he said 20 so odd years ago we brought a lion hunter out here and uh we were driving him and he said they were driving through because it was right on one of the little you know like a little you know two-track road yeah uh he said we were we were driving through right here and he said the track the old line guy goes this line crossing he's just and i don't he's just right here he said lion will cross right here yeah he said they've all he said there's been a i don't know just something about it that makes them about their behavior that makes them want to cross right there so it's interesting that coyotes are kind of along the same yeah behavior yeah and and i've noticed you know and just in in my years uh of trapping and you know obviously you know i've trapped 22 of my 37 years and but i've noticed that 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 trapping has made me become a more cognitive you know deer hunter turkey hunter uh turkey hunting is is my passion uh, outside of trapping um and and it has made me uh, more observant in the field of of what's going on you know where where why why are the animals coming out of you know this draw right why are they you know why are they skirting this edge uh why are they doing this why are they doing that it's made me a very cognitive uh outdoorsman yeah, I, uh, I would imagine so like is it just hearing you talking about snaring i'm like that that's that's, that's some intuitive work figuring yeah. out where they're traveling like yeah. that yeah, yeah, I had a I had a uh, I had a farm. Um, uh, actually, it was the same farm that that I caught the uh, what I'm referring to as the digger coyote on. Right. Um, and w- when I rode over this farm, is a big farm on the uh, on the uh, the Big Black River. Right. And I noticed there was a there was a large ag field uh, off from the the main river, and there was actually a point that came out in the woods. Well, I immediately went over as a trapper to observe that point because I know predators will come out on that point and you know look over the field for you know possible prey or, or you know you know an opportunity uh for a free meal and uh as soon as i got to the point there was coyote sign everywhere scat you know mm-hmm. so i got to looking and uh down two of the the ag you know the 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 hip the hip rows there i set two snares um and the next morning i connected immediately with one coyote uh, a big male uh, who was uh, an older coyote um i knew i caught one of the the older coyotes there right. probably right uh and then the next morning i connected with another one there and because i had uh spent my two snares there i just backed off on the point and put a foot trap uh i think it was a blended flat set um and i just put a bait and lure that was you know that i had been successful with on the other side of the farm and connected with a third one there so it was uh it was you know and and then when i go back this fall i'll probably mm-hmm. be going back i think the uh, week of thanksgiving i will set that same point almost almost exactly where i set it uh, right. uh, last year yeah so. because the yeah yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's it's so interesting though yeah. that they're that much of a, a creature of habit but at the same yeah. time still is crafty as they can be yeah so another thing is is like the the mindset of these these you know like the landowners that are asking you to come and trap Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's not like they're you're not 
you're not having to ask you're not you're not knocking on doors hey hey can i yeah. trap you're having people call you hey yeah. will you come trap yeah. and that's that's just uh, attributed to I, I don't i don't think people know how much damage a coyote can actually do yeah yeah and and you know the, the coyotes and 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 you and i were discussing you know uh, earlier you know coyotes are so hated uh and and you have to ask yourself why why are they why are right. they a hated predator yeah. uh you know they they're obviously national attention in the news even today yeah you know they're coming in suburbs and you know snatching people's dogs and cats and yeah. uh it, it really comes down to i think the reason that they're so you know they're so disliked is that a coyote has this very keen ability to adapt in any kind of environment yeah. they're in uh they're uh they're they're obviously scavengers uh you know they to a point uh any free meal you know they're 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 there for it um they're very opportunistic mm-hmm. um they they have a survival instinct like no other right. um they they walk around and 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 coyote, coyote guys will tell you especially you know uh coyote trappers will tell you uh coyotes are literally phobic in everything they do um the way they approach anything new they walk around phobic you know they 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 uh hunt phobic they travel phobic they they breed other coyotes pho- i mean it's There's like, way, yeah. like they, they're 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 very phobic and that's what that's that's what's giving them the the ability to adapt uh they're very territorial um i've noticed that when you start to take coyotes out within a few years you know, new cows will filter in. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of looking at the history of kind of how they got here. Yeah. Um, you know, cows have been, you know, predominantly known to be in the West for, you know, hundreds of years. Um, and interesting enough, uh, I can remember my grandfather, my dad telling me that cows, you know, really never made their way into uh, North Mississippi until like the late seventies, early eighties. Really? Uh, and, uh, we, we actually had a, um, an abundance of fox, um, you know, red and gray fox in North Mississippi. Uh, and as coyotes filtered in, uh, they began to uh, overtake, you know, the, uh, I guess you could say the food chain. In yeah, that, just outcompeted them. Right. They did, um, you know, trappers will find, you know, fox that are, are bit or killed by coyotes, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and establishing their, their territories. And right. uh, they, they've, you know, they've moved in and, and it's, and and I've had the question before of how, well how many cows do I have on you know my farm and and I will you know just from assessing it looking you know I will to say well you know I think you you may only have three or four here you know yeah. and um, sometimes that's a shock to them sometimes it's not uh, a lot of times people hear the coyotes yeah. you know howling at night yeah. and they're like well I've got fifteen or twenty you know on my farm and I said well you know actually in all reality you probably only have three or four. Uh, that were in that pack, um, and and I've actually observed that from a deer stand, which is pretty pretty mm. uh, pretty neat. But yeah. um, you know, the, just just their their ability to survive and adapt yeah. is is pretty phenomenal. I, I was doing just a little bit of research in in preparation for this podcast and watching. I kind of I watched a video on their expansion mm. and just and kind of like where all, where they started from, where they expanded to. Yeah. Or the fact that they're still expanding. Oh, they, they are. Yeah, there's there's yeah. some studies now they think they're going like down into like Central America. You're, you're absolutely correct, and and uh, 
I, I just in preparation for the podcast I, I brushed up on my knowledge of their expansion and and I, I actually saw that as well um looks like they're kind of moving um you know Mexico on into Central America and and they're they're really not going to stop until Mm-mm. you know uh if they can figure out a, a way to swim they're going to yeah. be even further than that yeah so. and, and that you know well, another thing and like I always one thing I always like to look into is like factors, you know, yeah. like like what made what made them be as prolific as they are. Because like yeah. I said, they're everywhere now. Yeah. And two of the biggest theories was one mm-hmm. from like habitat fragmentation mm-hmm. from all the agriculture now, mm-hmm. and um, agriculture and then de- in like fragmentation deforestation is mm-hmm. what what makes them thrive. Yeah. Which yeah. makes sense, like I said, because that's everywhere now. Mm-hmm. There's not many big contiguous pieces of timber anymore mm-hmm. you know it's a lot even even down here you know we have more than like the midwest but right still right. there there's a lot of lot of fragment and they say that's what part of what makes them thrive yeah and 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 to that point you know you can have uh let's say an a or, or, or a, a block of timber that has been you know um uh, cut uh, it goes into you know a cutover stage you know uh, a phase should I say before you know while reforestation is taking place mm-hmm. uh, during that time um, you have uh, undergrowth uh, that comes up um, and becomes more of a um, uh, should I say a breeding ground for 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 small mammals you know rodents um, birds um, which is another form you know that's another target you know prey of theirs so you you now have a you know you have an a, a, an ecosystem almost created um that has created a buffet for them right. should I say. Yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden you see and that's why i primarily you know i'll even focus on ditch lines and stuff like that because i know that they're you know rabbits and small rodents and, and things that will attract predators uh, therefore that's where i focus my attention on to catch right. them right so, yeah. so uh, let me ask you this this is so you go to a spot that you haven't trapped before mm-hmm. and you implement a trapping program on it mm-hmm. what kind of response do you see in terms yeah. of like population changes in in yeah. different animals and how fast do you do you typically see it yeah um well normally i'm i'm focusing on removing coyotes from say september to you know january february right so um and and another interesting thing is that in in the southeast or in mississippi where we're located pup dispersal uh occurs you know september octoberish so what i'm immediately doing is picking up the younger coyotes first uh, which are the i like to refer to them as the teenagers that are running around with their first set of car keys <laughs> you know you can pick them up quite you know quite fast right um and simple because they're just not that you know they're they're smart but they're not to that point yet uh as you go later in the year i i, I focus you know my my you know i focus on 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 picking up the adults and the smarter coyotes and then uh you get on deep in winter time uh and and then when the breeding you know season starts it gets really hard to catch coyotes uh for a couple of weeks okay uh it may spike again but uh back to your question uh i would say that the first year you're removing all of the young ones a majority of the adults um which I find just on the farms that I trap is the next spring you begin to have, 
you know, a greater amount of fawns. You have, um, um, you know, your, your, and, and we can get into nest predators, you know, um, and speak to that, but your, your turkeys begin to, you know, thrive a little bit more that next spring. Uh, they have more of a chance. Um, right. And then I would say by the second year of a really intense predator management program, you're starting to see results. So right. I've had, I've actually had, uh, I trapped a farm uh, in North Madison County, uh, another farm that was in the high fence, and they began to see a change in population almost the first year uh, right. uh, after yeah. after uh, removing coyotes. I can believe it. The, the main one of the more specific reasons I asked that is uh, a, a a place that we a friend of ours ranch that we hunt in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, they implemented a trapping program out there, and it, it's a very I mean it's a big big ranch, yeah. Yeah. and they did it mostly because they like antelope hunting. Yeah. And um, they had, some, you know, they said someone told him, you know, if you if you put in a like a strict trapping program, mm-hmm. you'll see, you know, because their fawn recruitment, I think they did a study their fawn recruitment was like, I want to say somewhere around like 20 percent, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the first when we came back there, like the next fall, or the next spring, mm-hmm. we saw we were seeing young antelope everywhere oh, yeah. and now we saw more small game than we had ever seen mm-hmm. and we were, yeah. i mean it was like a no we i mean it was night yeah. and day difference yeah. it, it was wild yeah. how much more wildlife was on that place and then i think they did a recent study i want to say somewhere around like 80 percent oh yeah in the fall recruitment yeah and i was like that's nuts yeah so absolutely nuts 20 to 80 yeah. i mean uh yeah and you can look at the studies that are that are done over the years you know i I've um you know I've looked into that myself to see okay how how effective you know is my is my hobby how effective right. you know something that I love to do and you know there's a number of different studies out there I know uh, in uh, 2015 University of Georgia did a study um, uh, uh, partnering with the Warnell School of Forestry there uh, you know coyotes um, you know they accounted for about 53 percent of uh, predation rate on fawns while bobcats were only right around 10 percent um, you know another 2013 study in Alabama, you know, they showed that they were responsible for some rare wear around 66% of fawn predation, while bobcats were only 11. Yeah. Um, and then another really interesting study that happened in like 2013 in South Carolina was that um, this study took two control areas. They had one that, that they studied with trapping yeah. and one they studied without. And I think this kind of shows the effectiveness. You know, the the uh, the one with, without trapping uh, showed a predation rate of 77% um, uh, predation rates by coyotes on fawns uh, versus a 32% in the area that had trapping. So you're going from a 77 down to a 32%. Yeah. Uh, you know, studies out there, sh- you know, range from 30% up to, you know, I've seen some as high as 70. Right. So even if you look, if you take the middle ground and you look at 50%, you know, meet that's, in the middle. Yeah, that's still substantial. Uh, that's yeah. one out of every two fawns that hit the ground within the first three to four weeks of their life or are killed by coyotes. And, yeah. and um, it, you know, you have different – you have different, you know, controversial studies that say, well, you know, cow, you need to take cows out in the spring versus the fall. You need to take them out in the fall versus the spring. But when it really comes down to it, if if you're removing those predators off of that piece of property, you're gonna have you're gonna have greater you're gonna uh, have results. Yeah, you right. are. Yeah, yeah. So no wonder. I mean, you look at facts like that. No wonder these people are calling you asking you to trap yeah. their place. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if it yeah. makes that much of a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and you know even 
kind of an overlooked um, um, group of animals, should I say, that I encourage every landowner to look at um, would be their nest predators. You know, um, I know uh, there's a um, there's studies out there that show that 40 to 60 percent of uh, turkey nests are destroyed by 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 what we refer to as nest predators, right. which are uh, raccoons, mm-hmm. uh, opossums, uh, skunks. Uh, and then those that actually do hatch then, you know, have to face, um, you know, hawks, owls. Yeah, um, they got a then, lot of enemies. Right, and then they become targets of bobcats, which is one of your bigger predators on, on poults and yeah. young young turkeys and, and then, tur- you know, adult turkeys in general. Um, but uh, if, if a lot of times when I come on a farm, I will I will try to educate the landowner um to assist me or to help me take out the nest predators when i'm not there uh and if i take out the coyotes and the bobcats and they take out the nest predators while i'm not you know while i'm not on 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 site um you know through their own efforts uh you've really double dipped in in predator management and uh and this this uh uh, landowners see results yeah i had a um a biologist tell me that you know he said pretty much if you're going to see an effect as far as like you know like a real effect with as far as turkeys or whatever go you have to get kind of that level of serious with it like you're talking about yeah yeah i mean you can't just he said you you can do it i mean it's definitely not going to hurt but if you want to see real results you yeah. kind of have to hit it as hard as you're talking about hitting it yeah it, it's definitely not a um you know i'm not i'm not sitting here saying that you know uh getting a trapper in or you know getting you know myself in on your farm is gonna double your deer numbers the first year right obviously you know you have to put in the work on habitat management and 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 providing that and 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 deer management turkey management but that coupled with a predator management program, I mean, you do have a recipe for success, and, right. and most biologists will agree with that. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Yeah. So we actually we get a lot of questions in terms of trapping. You know, some of the ones we've covered already. You know, like how effective is it? How much damage do they actually do? We talked about that, but you have a lot of people that are kind of in the same kind of the same boat as me. Like yeah. me, and me, I find it very interesting. Yeah, I find it very intriguing. Yeah. I know little to none about it. Like yeah. I just, I kind of know, like I said, when I did the, I knew, you know, some about coyotes and, you know, I'm, um, and I did, some, you know, some, some of the research, but as far yeah. as trapping goes, I've learned more. I know more now from listening yeah. to what you said today than I ever have. So like I, I can, t- I can tell you from one thing, um, as far as coming at it from like maybe someone who's interested in it that would like to maybe get started mm-hmm. in it yeah like to me it almost seems daunting you know like yeah. i'm like man yeah. where do i even start you know yeah. like how you know i mean i don't go out in the woods go that looks like where a coyote would be you know yeah. I, I wouldn't know where to begin yeah yeah so you know as far as is that you know like how difficult is it you know to, to kind of just you know jump into it yeah uh very good question uh i would say that um you know in today's um uh, world with you know obviously social media youtube um um, all the information out there that's basically at your fingertips today is actually even a an easier time to get into trapping than 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 any time um you know uh previously you know especially looking in the 1800s the 1900s even into the i would say 60s 70s and 80s um 
you know, trapping was all, 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 all but a, it was a really close knit tight fraternity that did not talk about what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they, they would take on, you know, someone, an apprentice or someone who wanted to learn and, and, and they, they poured that information into them. Um, and sometimes you even had to ask that information from them. Uh, it, it wasn't freely given, uh, and now with you know YouTube, uh, for example, I have uh, I have a couple of friends, uh, uh, buddies in Louisiana who uh, noticed uh, farm predation on their their lease in Central Louisiana. Um, you know they did reach out to me. I gave them a few pointers, shared some some uh, some notes and stuff I had with them. But uh, they primarily got started trapping uh, just by you know looking at YouTube. Um, uh, they, they joined a couple of, um, you know, uh, uh trapping forum or not forums, but, but, uh, you know, Facebook groups right, that, right. that, uh, that, that talked about trapping all yeah. the time or that were dedicated to trapping. And, uh, I think the first year those guys averaged over 30, uh, close to 40 coyotes just yeah. now, now, you know, with that being said, that that was exceptional. They had a high population of coyotes, right. but. Right. But the information is there. Um, I, I would say that, you know, the, the, the number one thing that I would say would be, you know, to uh, kind of immerse yourself in it. You know, look look on social media. You know, there's a couple of uh, groups out there um, in the southeast uh, and actually North America um, that that are very popular with trappers. Uh, there's um, uh, down south trappers out of uh, uh, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a couple of really good trappers, you know, um, moderate that that facebook page uh, trapping talk which is a national page um it's some really um you know really good information out there right um i would say that uh, another step um would be to you know join your state national trapping associations those those organizations are kind of the forefront they protect our trapping rights um because you can only imagine if uh if if our, our rights were taken away to trap what would happen to right. not only our predator population, but what would then in turn happen yeah. to our deer yeah. and turkey population? Yeah, what would population? the effects be overall? Yeah, right. There's no telling. Right. And so, uh, you know, being being very, very much involved, I yeah. know uh, here in Mississippi, you know, we have the Mississippi Trappers Association, a uh, very uh, great, great organization. Um, <clears throat> we even have, uh, we have demos uh, of, of, you know, ways to set traps. Uh, on our website um uh, it's pretty pretty neat the information that's out there now um you know we we've even expanded to even in the state you know having you know fair bears unlimited banquet you know we have one coming up this fall i mean it's 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 there our our convention Uh, we've actually now went from uh just trying to reach trappers uh, to talk about, you know, obviously predator management, but right. reaching out to the general public because it's become such a a big issue with, uh, you know, predator and wildlife management. Um, For sure. Uh, I mean, our convention is coming up this fall, and um, uh, it's going to be it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah. Just you know the lineup that we have. So so really immersing yourself. Uh, you know, maybe if you know a trapper, find a mentor. You know, yeah. the, they'll more than likely be you know um, um willing enough to share uh, i know one thing i'm proud of is uh and a lot of people don't realize this but you know some of the i would consider the best coyote trappers in the united states are from our home state of mississippi yeah and um and just you know find one of those trappers and and 
you know, follow them. You can pay for instruction now. You can, um, there, there's a number of different things you can do to, um, you know, to get started. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is now a lot of, since there has been a, a such an interest in trapping or getting, you know, getting started in trapping, many of your, you know, many of your trap supply houses uh, are starting to offer uh, beginner's kits you know, trapping starter kits, they call them. Right. That have basically everything you need to start. Yeah. Um, um, I had a, I had a good friend here in Madison who, uh, who purchased one of those kits uh, a couple of years ago and he's, he's been doing really well, yeah. uh, with coyotes. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, so though, yeah, a lot of times when I see, you know, and you can probably be, you know, if anyone could, could dispel this, it'd be you. A lot of times when I see like a beginner kit like that, I wonder, I'm like, is it a bunch of gimmicky stuff in there? Is it stuff I'd actually use? Yeah. You know, because I actually, when I, like I said, when I was doing some of that research, I saw some ads for that kind of yeah. stuff pop yeah. up. And I was, I, yeah. was, I was like, I wonder if that's actually stuff I would need. Because yeah. again, I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, you'd, you'd have to be, you know, you'd, you'd have to be careful where you, uh, you know, where you purchased. Uh, you can tell who's a reputable, right. um, you know, trap supply dealer or not. Uh, I will tell you that, one thing about trappers is that you know we're trappers as a as a group where if if we advertise you know something most of the time if we put it together as a package as a you know there there it's going to be some somewhat they're they're going to be honest with you about it uh these are the types of traps that you may need uh this is a type of bait lure that can get you started and and then once you once you get that, you know, that starter kit or whatever, and then you, you know, you glean knowledge from a mentor or trapping groups or whatever, uh, conventions, uh, demos that you may attend, right. um, you will start to learn, hey, instead of using this type of uh, bait, I might, or I might should use this type of bait, right. you know, and then yeah. you, you will kind of pick up and take from there. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. But my biggest takeaway from that, though, has been there's like – there's no it's not like the information's not out there it, and it's it, not hard to and it's yeah. not hard to find yeah it is it is there uh i can tell you uh i had a conversation with one of my friends from north mississippi who's a really good coyote trapper um uh, a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago and and i just let him know that hey sometime this year let's let's get together and run each other's lines you know uh yeah because you know he can be doing something that i'm not doing that would make me a better trapper by just observing that yeah uh um and and you know vice versa you know he he could come you know run my line with me and say well Derek, why are you why are you setting your trap there versus here and i say well because i've observed the coyotes doing this and that could be a takeaway for him yeah so it's really interesting because you never stop learning yeah uh and if you if you if you think you know it all then then uh then 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 you you probably shouldn't be in it there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that translates over to like turkey hunting too. right yeah so whenever, absolutely. I, whenever i go a lot of times i'll take you know like me and jordan went we went turkey hunting with uh dave owens this spring yeah and we were like i don't think i don't think i put a call in my mouth all the time i was just watching i was like what's he doing yeah I'm trying to learn you know yeah yeah <laughs> and then they they you know a guy like him he even tell you i learn every time i go out there you know it's yeah. just how it works i yeah, mean it's yeah it's nature there's too many yeah too many pieces and parts and dynamics to it to ever learn all of it you yeah just, it's always yeah something yeah always I, something i can say for for new trappers one, one thing that that especially new coyote trappers yeah is you know do not get frustrated um i know and have heard of guys going five six seven years without connecting with a coyote and you you have to 
you have to put yourself in a mindset of you are trying to catch the probably the hardest animal on earth to catch Mm -hmm. and because you fail the first time or the second time or you know even getting into years you know don't give up um uh you're gonna find you know you're gonna find what works and that's why i I think i keep reiterating to master you know master those basic sets right and when you find something that works stick with it yeah Uh, and then you'll be successful yeah i definitely i I get it or i think i can see the allure to it because I, I had a friend at uh, Mississippi State when I was there, mm-hmm. got into trapping and started catching a few coyotes, and then he was gone. As far as, like, any of the, you know, hunting, fishing, yeah. any of that stuff, yeah. he's like, I'm going to go yeah. put out run my trap line. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. that's all he cared about anymore. Yeah, I've gotten to, I've gotten to where myself, uh, even even since high school when I first picked it up, Yeah, uh, I've, you know, I, I went from, you know, um, hunting deer with a gun to hunting deer with a bow, to then I had started trapping and then I noticed my even hunting deer with a bow has gotten less and less yeah. and I still harvest a couple of deer a year just you know for 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 you know meat right um but uh my um my trapping has pretty much taken over my yeah. my winter my winter time now now spring is a different story yeah uh, well, tur- turkey season well, that's uh, understandable <laughs> yeah uh but uh but but yeah it it it, it really uh I hate to say that it consumes you, but but it it gets to a point that you enjoy it so much, yeah. you just want to focus on absolutely beating that animal at his own game. Yeah, so. understood, understood, yeah. man. I, yeah. I understood, I, man. I I I get it, and uh, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I think we hit everything we set out to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess we we'll go ahead and wrap this up, um, guys. As always, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions about this or any other topics, feel free to send it in. And uh, yeah, I think we're go- I think we're done. Uh, Derek, again, thank you, thank yeah. you for your time, and uh, yeah, as always, enjoy. thank you for listening to Speak the Language podcast. Cool.